Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you. We love you, God. We do want to lift up our, our, our voices, God. We want our, our spirits, our, our, our countenance just to, to, to uh, uh, be lifted, exalted towards you. God, as we uh, enter into this time, and, and I should say continue into this time of worship, God, we ask that we can just focus on you. Lord, that all the distractions, all the worries, all the hurt and everything that is real in our life, that we can set it aside just for a second. So we can hear what you have to say about it. And then we can determine, do we need to pick that back up or do we need to let you have it? So God, we ask that uh, through this all, you get all the honor, all the glory, all the praise. And we pray this in Jesus' beautiful name. And God's people said? Amen. All right. Anywho, we're in Ten Commandments, um, number eight today. So if you have your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 20. Um, And... This is really a, a difficult in the sense of, of preparing for, um, okay, what, what do you want to teach about the Eighth Commandment? Because it's pretty cut and dry. Um, what does it say? You shall not steal. Uh, right? I mean, pretty much everybody understands what that means. So when, when, when Moses get, is given this commandment to the people, obviously God gave it to Moses, Moses gave it to the people, what we need to understand is that, remember, the, the context that, that is going on right now, Moses is, is, is on Mount Sinai, um, and he, he comes down, he tells the people, okay, this is what God said, and then uh, about 40 years later, before they're getting ready to, to cross into the promised land, uh, Moses reminds them again, okay, remember what God said. And the reason for this was there was a certain way in which God's people were to live in God's promised land. So this is a standard in which God's people should follow. Now, when I say all this, I want us to remember, like, we're not going through the Ten Commandments to add burden to your already burdensome life. The reason that God gave us a law and the reason he gave us this way of life is so that we can live free. So remember, don't, don't use this as a, a tool to, to weigh you down. This is intended for freedom. So remember the text in which we, we looked at in, in Galatians, for freedom Christ has set you free. For freedom Christ has set you free. So remember, we're, we're free. And because we are free, we can look at the, the law in which God gave us and understand that this law is God's direction for us. Why is it God's direction for us? Because God knows what he's doing and you don't. I should get like an amen or something out of that. Amen. Hey, there we go. So, because, and, and wait, sorry, I do know what I'm doing. Here's the deal. Man's way seems right in his own eyes, but in the end leads to death. I didn't make that up. It's in Proverbs. It says that God's way leads to life and life abundantly. And I got to amen. That's over here, right? You got to keep Noah in here all the time because he's going to get me psyched up. Right, buddy? He's, he's looking at me like, no, he's looking around at the rest of the people like, y'all need to liven up a little bit, right? Because here's the deal. We don't come to church and, and, and we are not a joyless people. We should be a joyful people, and it, that kind of goes right into what I want to talk about today because I think what's happened over many years is joy has been stolen. And, and, and when I say our joy has been stolen, we, we kind of think, oh, we get together and we got to wait and, you know, kind of be, be calm and listen. Yeah, I don't want people up running around and doing stuff like that, but I think that there is a, a, a time and a place to um, be vocal there's a time and a place to uh, let this, the, the, the spirit move inside you, like, convict my heart, Lord. So I'm not just leaving out of these doors going, that was a good sermon today. All right, 
I'm going to punch the time clock, going to work. No, but you're stirred up inside because you do believe in a Jesus. You do believe in a God that is alive and not dead. Okay, then I'll just get into my notes here. We're still like, ah, was that an amen time or was that not? Or is that a whoo or mm-hmm? Oh, hey, here's another one. If you're not sure, just go mm-hmm. Because you're like, it, some people would be like, well, I'm just clearing my throat. Straightforward, stealing. Don't steal. Y'all don't steal. I think that that's what it should be in, uh, it should be in there. So what is stealing? Okay, I think I'm obligated to kind of run through the, 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 just the, the, the fundamentals of this. Legal possession and personal ownership of things are permitted. Uh, and we, we talk about legal ownership and we're talking about personal things are permitted. We understand that with, without this commandment of stealing, maybe we would think that, um, uh, there, that, that this community of God's people didn't have their own stuff. Well, we know that, 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 that this community had their own stuff because God says don't steal other people's stuff. Well, what, why do I say that? Well, I think it's important to, because some people kind of get in this fog like, well, if you really want to be a, a faithful Christian, you're not allowed to have anything. You've got to have a vial of poverty. It doesn't say that in the Bible. It's okay to have things. It's not okay for your things to have you. You've heard me say that many times. Understand that if, if there's a command saying don't steal other people's stuff, that is what is being implied there. It's okay to have some things. Don't let those things, you know, don't break the, the, the first and second commandment, though. Make those things your God. So here what we understand here that when we we're talking about stealing, it's, it's, it's taking something that doesn't belong to you without permission, right? And it's not just taking something that doesn't belong to you without permission. It, 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 there's no intention to return it. No intention at all to return it. What we have to understand is the things in which people have been given, um, they're they're useful and they're they're, they're needed for individuals. Well, I'm going to explain that a little bit more in a second. But understand that this command that was given, it's encouraged um, to, uh, it it encourages the respect of other people's stuff. So, so he, here's what I want us to kind of get out of the way. Again, it's, it's not that God doesn't want us to have stuff. Um, we need to be, make sure that we don't fall into the 10th commandment, which we'll see in a couple weeks. Um, and, and the 10th commandment says don't covet. Uh, and I think that the 8th commandment and the, the 10th commandment can kind of go together in some aspects. Because what happens is uh, you, you covet something and then that, that leads to other things and you may steal that something. But what we need to do is this command gives us the respect of other people's stuff. And you're going to understand this, not that you don't already, but we're going to see even more why it's important to respect other people's stuff because that other people's stuff may be a tool which God is using for his glory. So what it does also is it's an important element to a stable society. So not stealing from one another is an important element to a stable society. Well, we talked about, um, we were talking like on context. They're going into the promised land. God is saying, okay, I want a stable people. Uh, This is where the command for today still exists. We need a stable people. Sometimes with everything going on in our lives, we use the word that I'm unstable. Well, God did not intend you to be unstable, just like God did not give you the spirit of fear. Right? So I'm no longer a slave to fear. Why? Because God gave me the, the spirit of what? Of love, of what? Of power, and of self-control. 
So what we have to understand is this, 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 uh, this command that coming into the, the uh, promised land here not to steal, it's so that there could be a stable society. And I think that a stable society, it, it starts with the, obviously the individual, but then, the, then in the home and then into the community. So how, what do you mean, Lee? Okay, I won't steal from my wife or I won't steal from my husband. What, what, it, it goes beyond that because we think of just material things. Stealing goes way beyond just material things. I, I, I think that um, in our society, uh, one of the, the, the most um, thieved things, maybe that's not a word, it is now, one of the most thieved things is time. And not only time, I'm going to take time and I'm going to say energy as well. And I'm going to kind of clump them together. Time and energy is one of the things that are, that are, are stolen most frequently. And I know that the devil has a, 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 a plan. He has an attack on everybody's life, how to steal their time and how to steal their energy. Why does he want to steal their time? And why does he want to steal their energy? Well, it says in John 10, 10, that the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. So what he wants to do is he wants to steal their joy. He wants to steal time. He wants to steal energy. How, how does that happen? Well, again, please, I'm not being judgmental. This is all in y'all. If you feel a little bit of poking right here, my foot ain't that big, so I can't be stepping on toes all the way out there. This, I, I think it's important to look at where's your time? How much time are you putting into X, Y, Z? Well, I, I, don't, I don't do anything bad. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you about this. How much time and energy do you put into um, not God? Let's just say that, because I don't want to start saying Facebook and Candy Crush and you know, this or that or whatever. I don't want to start naming things because anybody was like, I'm, yeah, that's not me. Well, here's the deal. How much time and effort, how much time and energy are you putting into God? How much time and energy is, is, is being robbed from you? Are you, are you being robbed of because of what the devil is doing? I, I don't want to, and this was a big conversation in Sunday school this morning, I don't want to minimize the, the, the tragedy that happened in Las Vegas. I mean, it, was, it is a, a tragedy. But how much time and effort is spent in Thinking about that, how much time and effort um, does the, the devil have of yours looking at that where you're not doing what it is that God has already told you to do? It, it's important to look at current events and what's going on, but how are you responding to that? Or I, I met with a lady yesterday that, that her whole life now is just wrapped up in worrying for all of these people out there. And I said, oh, that, that, that's fine, but what are you doing about it? Oh, I'm just, I don't know. I just don't like how the world's going. Well, understand that if you're looking at that and you're letting that take up all your time and energy, you can only say yes to so many things. You've heard me say that before. Because it, it, you're finite. We all, we can only be in one place at one time. We can only do one thing at one time. Some of you think you can multitask and you're just confusing yourself and everybody else around you. Here, here's what the devil wants to do. He wants to keep you distracted. He wants to keep you busy. You can only say yes to so many things, and when you're saying yes to something, you have to say no to something else, which is not a bad thing. Saying no to things may be the best thing in which you can do, because when you're saying yes to, to, to something, you're in one space at one time, you're saying no over here, well, you have to make sure that your, your yes is yes and your no is no, and where you're yesing, I know it's not a word, where you're yesing is where God wants you to be yesing. That makes sense? When we, don't, when we don't do what it is that God wants us to do, and here's, here's the pushback I get. Well, I don't know what God wants me to do. If you don't know what God wants you to do, you haven't asked him. 
You haven't pressed in. I love what, when, when, when Dan says that all the time. You need to press into him. You, you hear what I, what I say. My, my favorite Old Testament passage is uh, Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You, if you're like, I don't know what God wants me to do. Are you delighting in him? Are you taking up time and your, your residence in him? Well, I, 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 yeah, I read my Bible, and I, I pray. Okay, that's good. Good. That's a good start. What are you delighting in him? Are you taking the highest degree of satisfaction in him? Well, maybe not. Okay, let's not look at that as a condemning thing. Let's look at that as a reason why you don't know what God wants you to do. Because you're not taking the time to spend with him. If I wanted to know what my wife wanted me to do, I'm not going to avoid, uh, avoid her and kind of go, I'm just going to kind of guess. No, I'm going to try to like, pick her brain. And try to spend as much time with her as I can to know what she wants. Therefore, I can do that. Because my brain don't work like her brain. (laughs) True. So what I need to do is I need to spend time with her. I need to delight in my in my wife. Not like I delight in the Lord. Like take you know I don't set her up on a pedestal and and worship her. No, but I need to understand that I need to spend time with her so I know what she, what what her needs are and what her wants are. So then I can respond to that. It's the same thing when we're we're talking about our, our relationship with God. Don't say I don't know what God wants me to do. Okay, if you don't know, take steps to do it. Take steps to to, to make time to spend with God so you can know. When you don't do what God wants you to do, you're breaking the eighth commandment because you're stealing from yourself and you're stealing from God. And I'll even put a third one in there. You're stealing from others as well. Because when you don't operate in the gifting and what, what God has called you to do, you're stealing blessings from yourself you're stealing uh, the, the, the opportunity for God to bless you, but you're also stealing your impact and your effectiveness for those around you. Maybe you're the one that's going to reach this person or maybe is going to be able to, to share God's blessing with this person. But if you are stealing from God, you're stealing from others as well. Remember, this is not a condemning thought. This is like, let's think of this on a, on a greater scale here, uh, other than just stealing a pack of gum or, or, or stealing, you know, uh, some, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, a baseball card. That was big when I was a kid. You steal baseball. Actually, micro machines. Everybody remember the micro machines? I, I, I would admit when I was a, a kid, I used to steal micro machines from the kids in, in my class, and I'm, I'm, I'm not proud of it, but it's... When it says don't steal, it covers that, but it covers so much more as well. Understand when, 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 you, when we are not doing what God wants us to do, we're, we're stealing from others as, as well. So on that line, what we need to understand is that we, we are stealing from God. If, you, if you're okay with stealing from other people, that's, that's between you and God. But if you're, if you're okay with stealing from God, we got a problem. I'm not going down the line of talking about finances and tithe and offering. I think that someday we need to talk about that a little bit more. But I think that I'm not just saying that you're stealing money from God, although Malachi does say that. But what I want us to look at is we're stealing those blessings and those opportunities. Let me just read a couple things here to you. 
um, steal, the, and, and what, what that, that Hebrew word is there, it, what it does is it depicts the unlawful uh, appropriation of something without intending to return. It said that already. What we need to understand is this is ultimately, and I, I said this, I know I'm repeating myself, but I think it's important, it's ultimately a sin against God. When, when David sinned um, with, and committed adultery with Bathsheba, he, he commits and professes um, that not only uh, when, when Nathan uh, confronts him, but he, in the Psalm, I think in Psalm 51, he says, against you, O Lord, have I sinned. What we need to understand is when we, when we steal something, when we're stealing, how about this? When you steal someone else's joy, you're, you're breaking this commandment. So here, it's ultimately a sin against God. I like what the, uh, the Heidelberg Catechism says, because it summarizes this whole thought, and I'll just read it. God forbids not only outright theft and robbery, but also such wicked schemes and devices as false weights and measures, deceptive merchandising, counterfeit money, and usury. So, okay, wait, well, what does that mean, usury? Well, that can clump in a whole lot of things. Um, that may be you, you have a job, and while you're on job, you're playing solitaire on the computer, and you're not doing your job, you're stealing from the company. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Again, this is between you and God. I'm just saying this. Goes on to say, we must not defraud our neighbor in any way, whether by force or by show of right. In addition, God forbids all greed and all abuse or squanderings of his gifts. Essentially, where I wanted to get with that is the gifts in which God has given you, if you're not using them, you're breaking this commandment. You're stealing. Well, I don't know. I don't know what my gift is. Again, you can know. I don't have a great gift. I don't have the gift of being able to sing like the musical time. Okay, maybe that's just not your gift. You have a gift. If you're a child of God, God has given you a gift. Why has he given you a gift? So that you can exalt his name. So that you can use that gift to build up the body. God has gifted us. And when we don't operate in our gifting, we're committing this sin here. Let me highlight two things. How stealing is a sin against God. Two ways in which sin, or I'm sorry, stealing is a sin against God. The first Every theft is a failure to trust in his provision. When you steal something from someone else, no matter what it is, if it's material or it's not, maybe you're stealing someone else's joy, whatever. When you steal from someone else, what you're ultimately saying is that what God has given you is not enough. I need more. Don't hear me say you're not supposed to have stuff, remember? Maybe God put a desire in your heart to, to obtain something. Maybe this is what God's will for you to have this. Fine. But if it's just a desire of your own, I, man, somebody's driving down the road in a new pickup truck, I got to have a new pickup truck. Well, is that your desire? Is that God's desire he laid on your heart? When we steal from some, someone or steal something, it's saying that we don't trust in the provision God has given us. The second way, Every theft is also an assault on God's providence for others. 
What it does is it, it robs what he has provided for someone else. When, somebody, when something is taken from you that God has given you, God has given you that for a reason. It's to use that. If somebody comes and steals that, they're stealing from God because God has given you something to use for his glory. Granted, these are only just two ways, and I, I think that, that what we can do is we can go on and on and on about this. But ultimately, it comes down to this commandment is a, a direct attack on God and his character. So what do we do, right? I mean, that, that, that's the, the, the question which we, we ask sometimes. Okay, I get it. You beat me up enough, Lee. I get it. Don't steal. Not, not just material things, but don't steal the immaterial things as well. I, I, I get that. What do I need to do? How do I, how do I now operate in, in a, a sense that um, uh, I, I get that, that this is wrong? How do I need to operate in, in the right in the way in which God is saying this? Just, just don't do that? Well, you all know just saying don't do something is not the answer. If it was as easy as that, my kids would be the perfect kids because I tell them not to do a lot of things. What, what usually happens when you tell them not to do something? They do exactly what you tell them not to do. But I've, I've noticed when you, tell, when you tell one of your children not to do something, but you tell them instead do something, they have a, a, a greater, uh, they're, 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 there's a higher probability that they're actually going to do what it is you want versus what you don't want them to do. If you say, just don't do, don't do this, they may or may not, probably, probably won't, you know, they're, they're going to be a little bit defiant, unless your kids are perfect. If, if you do, give me some parenting tips. So you tell them not to, it, it's going to be like, all right, then man, when dad turns his back, I'm going to do that. But if you tell them not to do this, but to do this, they have a greater chance of obeying what it is that you say because you've given them the alternative, the option, right? Well, I think that when we talk about uh, th this commandment, it's, okay, don't steal, and, and you know, we list a whole bunch of different ways in which the, the, this, this thievery can happen. What we need to do is, okay, instead of that, what, we need, what, 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 what do we do then? Well, we need to be good stewards, so there, there, there's a uh, kind of a line here. It's either stealing or stewarding. Stealing or stewarding. Well, what, what is that? What, what do you mean stewarding? Well, I, I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence in here. Some of you are like, yeah, I know what, it, what a steward is. Okay, for, for those of you who do know, just kind of sit there and just nod. A steward is a person who manages, manages another's property or financial affairs. Okay, so it's one who manages or, or, or um, he, he, the other's property or affairs or who one, one who administers anything as an agent of another. Okay, so wait a second, Lee, what, do you, what are you saying here? Okay, um, we're to manage the, that in which we have been given. Well, but it says that that's of other people's property. This is one of the most freeing things that you can hear right now. What you have ain't yours. It's, it's, it's God's. God, God had, and, and wait a second, I've worked hard for this, and I've done this, and you don't know how much time and effort, and here's the deal. I'm not minimizing your, your effort. The apostle Paul says, I worked harder than, than anyone else, but it's only by the grace of God I am who I am. He's not Popeye either. So it's only by the grace of God. It's only by the grace of God. You have what you have. How many of you in here 
said, I'm going to be born in the United States of America. Nobody? Dang. So you didn't have a choice in which you were, where you were born? You didn't have a choice in the opportunities in which you could have? I'm being sarcastic. You feel the sarcasm there? It's a spiritual gift that my dad gave me. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) What we need to understand is, yes, you may have worked hard for everything in which you've gotten, but God gave you, God gave you the breath to begin with, but God gave you the, the, the ability. Well, I struggled for a lot of stuff. Fine. God allowed you to go through some struggles to be stronger on the other end so you can enjoy what it is that you have. Everything that we have is God's. Now, what we have to look at, everything. Everything. What do I mean by everything? Anybody want to break that down? Everything. My wife, my kids, everything that I have is God's. What God has done as he has said, all right, Lee, I find you worthy enough. Hear this. I find you worthy enough to manage this. Take care of this. This is not something new. This is what, the way in which we were designed before the fall. Adam, when, when he was created, Adam and Eve were created, they were created to tend the garden, to manage, to steward God's garden. Much the same here. What, everything that we've been given By God is God's. And what we have to understand is we need to be good stewards. We need to be good managers of that. I I highlighted my wife and my kids because what what I have to do at the end of the day, when I don't understand all these these tragic things and this evil that goes on in the world, I have to to, um, be content in the fact that, God, you love my wife more than I do. And I love my wife a lot. Because that could kind of sound kind of sound bad sometimes. Well, of course God loves my wife more than I do. She's a pain in the butt. No, there's no one that is on the face of this earth that I love more than my wife. But my love for my wife pales in comparison to the love that God has for my wife. Same thing with my kids. What I have to do at the end of the day when, when, when people are, are, are talking about not letting their kids do this and that, I'm not going to, this isn't parenting. What I'm going to say, there's things that I don't let my kids do. I, I get it. But I'm not going to worry about the things that my kids do do. I said do, do I get it. There's no, there was no getting around that. There's no, I'm not going to worry about what my kids do. In the sense that, you know, ultimately, the only thing that I'm concerned about, and it's not that I'm not concerned about my children, and it's not that I'm not concerned about my wife, it's I want, I want to make sure that they have a relationship with, with, with Jesus Christ. Because at the end of the day, what's the worst thing that could humanly, was humanly possible that could happen here on earth? Death, right? So if death happens, but they're okay with Jesus, everything's, everything's good. Am I going to grieve now? Yeah, I'll grieve. Will I miss my, my wife or my kids or if, if something like Yeah, I would. But I, I have a comfort to know that God loves them more and, and they have a relationship with him. So if that does happen, they're going to be with Grandma, with Grandma Johnson and Grandma Duke and you know, my, my family. Sorry, Mr. Ed's. And, hey, Mr. Ed's birthday was yesterday. So I told Linda, you know what, Mr. Ed's, this is one of the best birthday parties he's ever had, right? So they're going to be there. What I have to understand is I'm just 
supposed to make, make the best out of what God has given me, be a good steward with what he has given me. My wife, my kids, my, my, my job, my whatever, my house, whatever it may be. Why do I say that that is freeing? Because when, when, when you hold on to stuff and, and you put your identity into stuff and you say, this is mine, 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 you're the, the seagulls on, on Finding Nemo, mine, 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 mine. When, when something is tore away from you, you feel like a piece of me has left. But that's not, that's not where your identity is. Your identity is in the stewardship in which you, you have over that stuff. How are you using that for God's glory? How are you using that? And how about this? It's not just... Being a manager, because sometimes we can think of managers and like they just kind of manage people and stuff and that, that's it. And they have no joy in their life. I, I, I don't think that that's what God is saying here. We are to clearly enjoy what God has given us. I'm going to enjoy my wife as I steward her. It's not, I'm, she has to steward me as well. <laughs> it's just a lot of stewarding. Um, but, but she, <laughs> I figure I get a couple more amens out of that. But she is to enjoy that. We are to enjoy that in which we are stewarding. It's not to be a burden on our, on our lives. Let me, let me step forward here. A few, a few steps here. Let me give you three biblical keys of being a good steward. I mean, because I can, I can hammer this all day and we can, you know, lay this foundation, build this big tall tower. But I think that knowing, okay, we're not supposed to steal and we are supposed to steward. Okay, what is the Bible? How does the Bible speak into this? Because at the end of the day, I don't want you to take my words. I want you to take the, the words that are given to us in Scripture. I want to start. Um, let's do this. Turn to Luke chapter 12 real quick. I want to read this. And then we'll, we'll, we'll jump into the three, three biblical things, keys. Because this whole steward and this manager is not something that, 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 that I thought up. This is something that Jesus said, and I want us to, 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 to hear his words. So in Luke chapter 12, I'm going to read uh, 42 through 48. It says, And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? I think that's important because everybody's like, I want it now, I want it now, I want it now. There's a proper time, proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what was and what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. What, what is he saying? What, what, what God has given us, don't be slothful in what God has, has given you. 
Don't, don't be like, oh, Jesus ain't coming, or, you know, coming back for a long time. I can live how I want. And then, you know, when, I, when he gets close, when one of those, those wackos, you know, figures out another date and they say the end of the world, Jesus is going to come back then. I'll just, I'll get all my stuff in gear and I'll get, you know, I'll get right with Jesus then. We don't know when, when, when Christ is coming back. We should live as if he's coming back today. Like right now. Our lives should be reflective it shouldn't be where he's going to come back and we're going to like, oh, snap, I'm not ready yet. No, we need to be the one who is ready so when he does come, he can say, well done, my good and faithful servant, right? It says here that if you don't do what is right with what God has given you, what God has blessed you with, he's going to take it away. He's going to take it away. I think that that's important for us to understand it's not living in fear. It's not living, oh, I gotta, oh what am I going to do? I don't want to lose this. No, remember, surrender everything to God and ask him for his guidance to do the best with whatever it is you got. I, I've heard uh, some preachers talk about, you need to like, go around your house and, 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 and say, okay, God, it's your TV. God, it's your game council, whatever. God, this is your, this, this, here, she's yours. God, my kids are yours. Maybe it is doing something of that nature for you. But whatever it is, it's surrendering everything. The song, I Surrender All. It's not just, oh, yes, I surrender everything, but my job and my checkbook and my time. No, I surrender all. Everything that God has given you, everything he's blessed you with, I'm surrendering it all to you, God. Let me be a good steward of all of this stuff. Let me be a good manager why? So that when you come, I can say, whew, I'm ready. I'm ready. Because at the end of the day, I, I, would, I would hope, if we're sitting here, we're listening, that we believe that Jesus is coming back. Because if, we, if Jesus isn't coming back, why are we here? Oh, just because, no, 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 there's no reason outside of, of the resurrection of Christ. Because without the resurrection of Christ and his return, we're just all just kind of putting a show on Let's look at this, because that, that's what it's saying here, is this, be a good manager, because the, 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 the master is going to return. The first uh, biblical key of being a good steward is found in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, uh, in, in verse 11. 11 through 13, this is, this is David, he, he, he's praying. Uh, it says, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in, and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. The first thing is, is understanding that everything is from God. Everything is from God. King David the one who was the ruler of, of, of this nation of God's people said, God, everything that we see and everything we don't see, all is yours. Glory to your name. The second thing is found in Philippians chapter 4. 
Flip to the New Testament, Philippians chapter 4. Verse 11, here's the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church here in, in Philippi, and he says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in Any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. The second key here is be content with with, with what God has given you. Be content with, with, with what God has given you. Now, this doesn't mean that we have to settle for second best. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to have good things. I'm not implying all that. But what I want you to do, and I'm, I'm terrible at this. This is one of the things I got, I got to continually focus on. Be content in what you do have, what God has given you. Because I, I fully believe if you're not content with what God has given you, you're not being a faithful uh, steward of what God has already given you, and you ask him for more, why in the world would he give you more when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing with what he's already given you? Why would he say, why would, why would God bless you, quote unquote, with more when you're not doing, you're not being a good steward of what he's already given you? So what we need to do is be content. Take what we have already, have been, what we've already been given and use it to the end of its means, the end of, okay, God, how am I to use this for you? And be okay with that. Maybe you won't be on Shark Tank. And I may watch Shark Tank. There's only a couple of heathens here. I, I love Shark Tank. I get it. Maybe you're not going to be one of those billionaires that sit on the panel there in Shark Tank. Okay. So be it. Your worth and your value is not measured by your billfold. The younger crowd's like, what's a billfold? Your wallet. Okay. <laughs> It's not measured by how much money is in your wallet. Your worth, your value is measured by the treasure that's in heaven. And the main treasure which we have in heaven is Jesus Christ. Is he, is he here in our hearts? Is he in our lives? He says, Jesus says, don't, don't lay up treasures on earth that, that, that moth and rust will destroy. Lay up treasures in heaven where no moth, nothing's going to eat through that. Nothing's going to rust. Nothing's going to fade away. That doesn't mean that we don't have to live here. No, we have to live here. But understand that that our desire, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Our desire should be to him. And then we can enjoy. Because I I don't know about you, I've had this this thought sometimes where where I I have been blessed. God has blessed me with, with a, a, a situation or something. I'll, I'll, I'll say this one. So uh, last year, um, the, the car was, the transmission went out on the car. And, and I believe that, that y'all came together and God put it in your hearts to bless Shannon and I to help us fi- fix that transmission. Uh, sometimes when, when, when things like that, like that happened, I felt kind of guilty. It was an attack from, on, on, um, from the enemy saying, yeah, those people, they don't have enough money and they just, gave, they just fixed your car. No, what I need to do is I need to understand that I'm, my focus is on God and what God has done is in turn, he's blessed us. You need to enjoy that. Say to the devil, get behind me, Satan. J- just be gone. Be able to enjoy the blessings which God does give to you. See them as blessings. 
And don't let the enemy use them as an attack on you. He'll try it. Well, how do I know if it's an attack or if it's, you know, if this is guilt or what? Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll, he'll let you know. It'll be clear to you. Enjoy that which, that which God gives you. The last one, and I've been alluding to this the whole time, um, we see in 1 Peter chapter 4. Go to the right, a few books there. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. And in the, it says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one uh, serves by strength that God supplies. And it's, it's this last little part here that I want us to focus on. He's talking about gifts and showing hospitality. He's, show, he's talking about everything that God has given you. There's a reason that God has given you this. And the reason is in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. In everything, everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The third thing is here, utilize Utilize, utilize, utilize your gifts for God's glory. Utilize your gifts for God's glory. Whatever that gift may be. It may be time, it may be talent, it may be treasure. Whatever it is that God has given you, utilize that for God's glory. That doesn't mean that everybody has to sell all they have and give it all to the church. No, that's not what, what I'm saying. What, what, what can you leverage that God has given you to advance his kingdom, advance the gospel, to tell other, people's, other people about the good news. Maybe you, you, you do believe the, 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 the country music theologian that um, money can't buy you everything, but it'll buy you a boat, right? And a truck to pull it. Come on now, right? Maybe you, you believe, okay, yeah, money's not gonna buy us everything, but you know what? If I had a boat, how can I leverage that boat to the glory of God? I, I, granted, I'm, I'm, I'm stretching, w whatever it may be. The musical talent, how can I leverage that musical talent to the glory of God? Maybe some of you are retired. My time, how can I leverage that to the glory of God? What, what is it that you can do to utilize your gifting for God's glory? Because in the end, that's why he's given you everything. God is the only one that can sit there and say, I've given you this, so this is what you need to do in return. Because he's the only one that's holy and righteous and is deserving of that. We should never, I should never give my wife something and say, you, now you've got to do something for me good in return. No, it doesn't work that way. What we need to understand is, if when we bless someone, Jesus says, don't, don't expect anything in return. Because it's what you're supposed to do. My kids come up to me and they tell me, hey, I cleaned my room. I did this. And you know what my response is? <laughs> I, but it, it's not, it's not going to make sense if I don't. Well, fine. If it, plug your ears. I don't care. I say, yeah, I wipe my butt too. It's what you're supposed to do, right? What, do you want me to praise you for doing what it is you're supposed to do? No, what we're supposed to do is be faithful to God. And in his time and in, in his uh, ultimate plan, when he wants to shower blessings, he'll shower blessings. 
But don't say, well, I've done this, now give me something. It doesn't work that way. You're stealing. Don't, don't be a stealer, right? I know it's thief. Pittsburgh Steeler, well, I don't know. I'm not into all that. I, I, sit me down, sit me down. I'm not going to talk anything about it. Hey, Clemson won yesterday, so we're good, right? Ohio, hey, Buckeyes won too. It, yeah, it was great. Um, but understand, we don't want to break the, this eighth commandment because it's not only that we, we sin against someone else, we're sinning against God, and a lot of people are affected by it. A lot of people. I'll close with this one statement. Most importantly, we need to steward the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've been given the gospel not so we can just wrap our arms around it and just walk through life with it. We've been given the gospel to, as Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it's a power unto salvation. There are those people who are dying and they don't know when, when that's going to be. I'm sure none of those people who went to that concert in Las Vegas last Sunday thought, this is the day in which I'm going to die. Please, I'm not trying to be morbid or anything. I'm just, we don't know. What we need to be is ready. And the only readiness we have is the gospel. And if we're ready, why would we not want those around us to be ready? So if something God-awful happens and evil does just pervade in and, just, and, and, and taints everything, that no matter what, God's still in control. 